computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name's Tom Z, joined as always by my man Tim, aka Cranjus McBasketball. And Tim, we have finally started this 2021-22 season with Lakers Media Day. I just want to say congratulations to all the Lakers fans out there. A lot of energy. I'm sure it's only made everybody more hyped for the season. You know, it's hard to like take anything away when Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel are directly saying opposite ideas. Um, but, you know, so, you know, we can read in what you want, but um, it's really exciting. And it, I want to say all that blood we spilled, all the tears we spilled making these memes of you know photoshop jerseys this is what it was all for you know maybe 10 years too late for some of these players but that picture with rondo and russ and lebron and ad and it's like seven or eight guys that are just hall of fame basketball players you're like huh people don't think this is gonna work uh, yeah well, well shout out shout out the grant goldbergs of the world putting those photoshops <laughs> together shout out everybody you know planting those seeds years and years and years ago uh bothering everybody else on nba twitter for these silly laker fans thinking they can get whoever they want and go after these guys <laughs> and you know what we got lebron then we got ad uh and and now we brought the rest of the crew along so great media day got me excited um, we just spent 20 minutes recording like a 15 second sound clip. These guys had like one take to get it right live and they killed it. It was great seeing them in those freaking yellow jerseys they need to fix. But uh, I, I'm excited. I'm pumped and the team's practicing now. So now that I'm seeing it, now it feels real and that the page has turned. This is a new season. And now I'm trying to think of like what this team could be. And we're here today to to share some of those bold predictions with the folks. Yeah, we, we have some high hopes. We do. We have three bold predictions each. Um, hopefully not too first takey here. These are more, you know, how we do these predictions, looking at what's likely to happen and kind of past, you know, data from from Tim's website, B-Ball Index. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to quickly, you held it down. You did some notes on the, the media day. I had mentioned before, like the AD Frank Vogel thing. Um, is, I want to go through a couple quick talk hitters here, Tim, before we start. Just get, see if you have any more thoughts since the last time you talked to the audience. So we got that report about, you know, possible starting lineup with DeAndre Jordan, uh, Trevor Ariza, and Wayne Ellington. Mm-hmm. Or, or was that it? No, or, no, it was AD at the five, right? Uh, AD I think at the it five was Bron, AD, Russ with Ellington and Ariza. Gotcha. I think. Yeah, so AD at the five, that's a potential kind of starting lineup. We also heard that DeAndre Jordan was running with the starters in a Kendrick Nunn two uh, situation. So we've talked about some of these lineups before, Tim. Um, But I want to also throw in the quote that Frank Vogel's talking about spacing and defense. And great thing about your site there is you can just plug in a, you know, a head plot chart, those two different, you know, stats kind of quantifying. Oh, Ken Bazemore. Hello, Mr. Top Right of the chart. Um, So I don't know any of those topics you want to hit or anything kind of come out in the last couple of days you uh, that you found interesting. 
I think how much we've seen and heard, and I think we'll continue to hear different starting groups thrown together in different lineups is exciting and it's fun. And I'm more just interested to see how it progresses because I don't think there are too many wrong answers for how, how the team can start games. Uh, but exactly how they utilize players and what combos make the most sense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Because like you said, like we heard Ellington and Ariza, which, yeah, like that makes sense. And then we we, we hear uh, DeAndre Jordan and none running with the guys. And I'm like, yeah, that, that can make sense too. And then Vogel comes out, talks 3 and D, and like that's Kent Bazemore's music. So there's so many interesting possible angles this can go. And I don't think I'm going to be upset no matter which route they go until we get like way more information about how guys are being used and who's performing well. But uh, it just, to me, speaks to how many good problems this team has. They're just so stacked. They've got guys I'll like forget about on the roster and be like, oh, right, we have Rajon Rondo. He could play real minutes this year. Um, just like so much extra that's there. And it's just going to be about like moving the, the puzzle pieces around and making the prettiest picture because there are so many different ways this team can look. And I think that's awesome. And when you have an old team, you, you kind of need to have that backup. And this team has the backup like locked and loaded and it has me feeling really good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited. The more closer this season gets, you got two days, man, to the first preseason Jeez. basketball. We're recording this Friday uh, morning Pacific time. So mm-hmm. we got only a couple days and then we can come back and talk real Lakers basketball. But until then, we have some bold predictions. Tam, where do you want to start? You want me to go? Or you want to go? Uh, David Fisdale, head coach by Christmas. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Steven, Um, let me tell you why that is so, (laughs) so wrong. Um, All right. I'll I'll, I'll start us off. uh, And my first one is going to be that Anthony Davis is going to win the defensive player of the year for maybe what? His first? It'd be his first, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, here's, Here's why. And this might not be the hottest take, but like, our perception and Laker fans' perception compared to reality on where he is in, in the defensive player of the year picture hasn't quite lined up year after year, and he hasn't quite been in that top tier of dudes from a voting standpoint um, like we would prefer him to be, but I think this year is going to be different. And the reason for that is he's he's going to play a lot more center, hopefully. If he's playing center, which I hope he will, that's one, going to help the half-court offense, but it, two, defensively, is going to allow us to see just a completely different beast from Anthony Davis. I think he, and he talked about this and I think we're going to see this just that almost like revenge tour kind of season where like these guys have a chip on their shoulders. They know it's a new season. They got a new group of guys, but they know last year wasn't what this team needed to do. And AD wished he could have been out there to help his dudes in the playoffs. And hopefully we're going to see him come out with a fire. He seems like he's in much better shape. So he's surely capable. We've seen him be, a defensive player of the year player in the playoffs, but in the regular season, the path to him doing that is playing more center check team, probably switching more check Uh, him being able to just fly around on the perimeter, on the interior playing that, you know, isolation defense, blocking shots, getting rebounds. I think he's going to be able to do all of that. And I think schematically the team's going to put him in position to play either switching or drop coverage, which are two coverages that are going to highlight his strengths. And I just see all those, those stars aligning. And this is a team that I think offensively, there are going to be enough mouths to feed that it'll be hard for us to get like an MVP from this group per se, or like an offensive player of the year type of guy. But defensively, this is AD's group and, and he 
is going to, especially with the perimeter defense probably taking a step back this year, he's going to have more opportunities to put up counting stats. And assuming the team is as good defensively as I think they can be, and that's really the key piece of this, he's going to individually have a ton of defensive impact and should absolutely pop off the screen and I, I think is going to be the defensive player of the year. I think so much of that and all of these awards are narrative, right, Tim? They're yep. what's the best narrative? Oh, you know, last year, you know, Rudy Gobert, you know, probably rightful winner. You know, Anthony Davis mm-hmm. didn't play. You got Ben Simmons, maybe Draymond's in there. Um, but Rudy Gobert was the anchor on a team that didn't have great perimeter defense. And he really yep. did cover up a lot of mistakes in the regular season. And he was rewarded for that. And the year before, yeah, Anthony Davis came in second to Giannis. And that was kind of the, you know, the second MVP, the um the, the you're the best player in the league, like both sides of the ball, Giannis, here's your reward. It's not just that Anthony Davis wasn't good. The way Anthony Davis was utilized was as a helper, you know, kind of hiding in the worst front court player to go, you know, cover and let, allow the defensive like matchups for the guards to be really aggressive and, and go, you know, chase really hard and, and get up and take chances with your Avery Bradleys and and all that kind of philosophy put Anthony Davis in a totally different role than what he would do. And my bold prediction, Tim, is not only like I think defensive player of the year is spot on, but here's a quiz for you or trivia, I should say. What do you know the most blocks Anthony Davis has ever averaged in a season? Oh, geez. I don't think so. I mean, he's had like a a minus interior defensive talent grades, but from a blocks per game standpoint, I don't know, some two. Yeah, it's like, like a raw, raw rocks per game is 2.9 is his highest. Okay. Um, you know, for those of you who play fantasy, you know, it's kind of what you got him when he was in New Orleans getting blocks and steals and all this other stuff. I think he gets to three blocks a game because of the opportunity, because not only like what all you laid out, the way it is the case for him to be maximized. But, dude, he's going to get random blocks on like three pointers. Mm-hmm. Like a lot more of them now because of that coverage you just described and the way yeah. that he can be aggressive and step up and explode into holy shit, he's right there and blocking my three, right? So, like, <laughs> is he gonna block like a three a game? Like, no, probably not. But every couple games, it's it's an option where when Dwight or JaVale or or you know, Drummond or Gasol or they're just sitting back, not like make letting you take that 20 foot jumper mm-hmm. maybe i'll get a hand up if you pull up from three and kind of make it you know a little harder but you're gonna get that shot if you want it and the way that anthony davis can yeah in a certain situations cover different uh strengths than the other centers we've had we just haven't seen it as much you know i know it's been him in crunch time a lot but seeing it on a day-to-day basis is a different thing so yeah yeah, it just hasn't been his job in the regular season. We saw in the playoffs two years ago when he was healthy, uh, two seasons ago, like one year ago, uh, calendar year when he was healthy against like Miami, just like in in a, a you know ball screen coverage, contain and then also somehow recover and get back and like break up lobs, things like that, or like get to the dump off man and then block his shot after completely smothering the ball handler, like things like that he can do that other Laker bigs haven't been able to do, and this year it doesn't look like. The other guys are, are quite at that level either. He's just a special talent. And I mean, I don't know. It's going from 2.9 to 3 isn't isn't the ball. It's not the, the largest jump in the world, Tom. When when wow. did he put up that 2.9? Is I guess 
I guess I'm thinking like was 2.9. That wasn't last year, right? Like this no. is still going to be a pretty big jump for him from what we've seen from him most recently, correct? So that was his third season, 14-15 in okay. the league. Um, okay. And so last year he only averaged 1.6 and the mm. first year with the Lakers, 2.3. So he's going like to double last year's block production is, is what mm-hmm. you're projecting. Okay. All right. I like it. That's a ball prediction. I think you could do it from the, the perimeter defense taking a step back on its own from his job changing to him, if mm-hmm. he's switching more often, he's going to be in position to make those blocks on guards. If he's Just in a lot drop of coverage, yeah. yeah. If he's in drop coverage, he's going to be in position to block shots from, from a driving ball handler. Last year, as a perimeter big, he's out there playing the 2v1's weak side. That's not how you block shots. You're going to get steals that way. You're going to pick off passes, but that's not a path to block. So I'm with you. I, I think, and, and these two go right along with each other. If, if mm-hmm. he's succeeding... In, in those statistical categories, that really matters for Defensive Player of the Year. And talking narrative, Ben Simmons, he's been part of the narrative the past couple of years. He's not going to win it this year. He's not. He's, we we not, might not see him play much. Uh, he's playing great defense for the Sixers. I don't know what she's saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. like well, defending it, them from a championship. Exactly. And that is directly going to hurt Joel Embiid's ability as well. Like he's going to mm. be in worse situations as a defender recovering. And he's going – like that team success is going to go down. I bet Embiid's defensive success might go down a little bit. And that's going to hurt his case. Rudy Gobert, old news. We've been there. We've done that. I don't think what he's won two in a year. I don't think he's going to get the third. Um, Giannis, ah, we've done that. So 80s, 80s, that guy, he's the one that's been in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the year, if things go well, where his individual success and the team success and the role and the counting stats and the narrative and this huge fan base is going to be pushing that angle. So the, I think this, like the stars are aligning and a big piece of that is going to be those blocks. So then uh, this, yeah. I'm just going to say this is a this is a narrative you're going to hear from media members, from national media members in six months. Well, you know, Anthony Davis, you watch him cover up all these mistakes by Russell Westbrook and just drag single handedly this Lakers defense to top three in the league with below average or below average defenders on the wing. And Anthony Davis just in the back cleaning up everything and that's going to be it that's going to be part of the narrative you could see it happening from a mile away he was so driven he wasn't in shape last year he was injured he couldn't help his guys the the short turnaround of the the bubble he he needs like he wants it this year he's going after it and we're gonna see we're gonna see lebron we're gonna see russ we're gonna see him i'll talk about it probably we see vogel talk about it these guys we've seen in the past they'll push the award agenda if they think someone has a chance so when they're talking about it, it's going to get it in the dialogue even more. And there isn't, at least what I'm looking at right now, I don't see a new exciting other option for a guy who has the kind of reputation and support and probably individual and team success like AD is going to have. So I, I wonder what those odds are. Let me let me try to pull up those odds. Um, Talking people into some Bovada bets over here, Tim? Not potentially. Sponsored, not sponsored. Potentially. Not, not sponsored. Reach out. <laughs> um let's see um uh, okay he is third so we've got rudy gobert plus odds? 380 ben simmons okay. plus 500 don't bet ben simmons are you serious ad, AD plus 500 Giannis plus 800 miles turner plus 850 and then Embiid plus 1200 bam plus 1400 and then it gets into Bam's holiday thibault ayton and green 
I think AD I, and Bam are the two most likely. Bam is just kind of like a slightly step down of AD. I think as far as the same narrative, that team is expecting big things if they get the number two spot unexpectedly or the yeah, like you said, the Bucks have kind of a championship hangover and they're not as locked in for 82. You know, I could see yeah. Bam being being a top three DPY. I think he can be a candidate. I think it's going to be hard for like him or for Turner or for those guys who do what Gobert does to beat Gobert at his game. AD is still does some of that Rudy Gobert stuff, but he goes a step further with the perimeter defense, which Bam is also somewhat in that realm of as well. That's going to be like the new angle of like, all right, I'm not going head to head with Rudy stat by stat or, 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 you know, type of impact, but I'm able to do what he's doing or close to it. Plus, you know, be this elite perimeter defender kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So if, 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 you know, the AD pitch is like the team success is going to be there. And then like, he's able to, kind of beat out these guys who are either one or the other, either perimeter defense or shot blocking because he's got both. So I like you. I, I like what you're thinking there with Bam because I think that is going to be a similar avenue for him to potentially have success mm-hmm. from a voting standpoint. So that's at 1,400, Bam out of bio. I don't, I don't hate that. I might throw a couple yeah. bucks on that. But 80 plus 500, I like I like, especially because Ben Simmons is up there and he shouldn't be up there. That's insane. Okay, uh, let's move on to our next uh, bold prediction, Tim. What do you got for us? So you actually went a little bit bolder than I did in your example there, (laughs) but I'm going to say this Lakers defense is top five this year. I think the the actual outcome or the range of outcomes certainly includes this, but but is probably a bit lower. But I think if AD is playing defensive player of the year, AD stuff, and Braun is able to continue helping and putting out little fires. You've got Bazemore in there. You've got Ariza in there. Like there are a lot of guys that can be good defenders if you put them in the right schemes and the right roles. And I am trusting that Frank Vogel is going to change both of the defaults. Like if, if you just run out the same schemes as this team last year with player roles the same as they were last year for these guys, this won't be the case. It's going to take him optimizing things like we know he can and we trust that he will in order to get this out of this team. And I, I, th- I think it's well within the realm of possibility. And, and part of it is going to come down to like, is Russ going to make the right rotations that Russ needs to make? Is THT getting better with some of these things? Um, how solid are Dwight and DeAndre Jordan defensively? But I, I, th- I think the team has the right shot blockers for a drop scheme. I think if they want to switch, they've got guys one through five that from a physicality standpoint are able to be in a switching lineup. Like you can throw out Russ, Bazemore, Braun, Ariza, AD. And like, yeah, I feel pretty good about switching a lot with that group. Um, And then there will be times where you've got great back pressure with dudes with uh, Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan as a shot blocker. So I I like that there are multiple ways this team can succeed defensively. I think that'll be important. Because you can't just, I mean, a lot of teams will just run out the same thing all year. You want to be able to do more than one thing well in order to have that kind of defensive success. And I think this team is capable of that. And we're overplaying how old they are and how poor defenders, or not we, but the general we is overplaying uh, how bad this team could be defensively. I, I think I think Vogel is going to get these guys in shape. And I, I think they're going to be able to put up a top five performance is my bold, bold prediction. I don't, I mean, I I've grown more optimistic. You know, I think I was a little more pessimistic early on about this team's defensive potential. 
AD at the five, most of the time, it helps a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's still, there's the pathway for them in the 2019 team way of just big and good rebounding with Russ and LeBron and AD and uh, DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard. That's just fantastic rebounding. Yeah. Um, holding teams to one possession and then getting the ball up the court quickly with head aheads and and leak outs, you know. But uh, I can also see... And this is a free bold prediction for you, Tim. LeBron making an all defensive team because he is now the Anthony Davis role. If Anthony Davis starts at the five, he can be the helper who can eliminate opportunities with his IQ mm-hmm. and anticipation. And if the backside's on it, I think he, you know, I talk about the energy bar. With Russell Westbrook on offense now, still have Anthony Davis. His loads hasn't been this light since, you know, the Cavs days. And even then, you know, Kevin Love wasn't a huge usage guy. He's mostly spot up, pick and popper kind of role for that team. But Anthony Davis can be more. And I think AD and, and Russ there, I think LeBron can be enabled to spend his energy bar on defense in that helper role if they really want it. So if you have AD rotating, you know, in the the main play of a pick and roll, and then you have LeBron rotating, ah, man, helping off the weak side, kind of jumping off of a guy who's not afraid to shoot, that can yep. cause havoc. And if you have just a reasonable amount of size in an Ariza or a Bazemore next to him, that's really, really good man that mm-hmm. even if none isn't you know the best perimeter defender or rondo or westbrook like both of those guys on the back end could be all defensive players potentially yeah it, it'll be interesting i think braun and ariza are going to be two guys that with their ability to just rotate and help they're going to make a lot of plays why i think it'll be harder to make a See, it's it's going to be tougher because they'll be away from the action itself. So unless they're getting a steal, it's harder to notice that. And we'll notice that. We're going to point that out. And we're going to champion that. But it's going to be harder to notice that. You're going to see it in some of the impact metrics. But it's not going to show up the same way that like smothering guys 1v1 or blocking shots at the rim will. So I, I, I do think he can succeed well there. Getting onto an all-defensive team I think is possible. It's, it's going to... Again, the team success is going to have to really be there because in order to really recognize a guy performing that well in that kind of role, the Lakers can get the narrative train working, but they're also going to need the just like the, the, the stats. Basically, they're going to need like his defensive uh, rating on off, like the most basic thing that people are going to point to, even though it's not the best. They're going That's to need good, some right? of those basic ones to look look the right way. So that, you know, I think it's doable. Uh, that was a free bold prediction for you. Uh, okay. This one, Tim, you're going to love. Keep thinking about this guard rotation over and over in my mind. And the way I've kind of framed it is, you know, there's a lot, a lot of the youth and kind of, you know, will this work? What, what is this guy's role? It's more on the, the guard, you know, wing side of things for this roster. Mm -hmm. I think we know what DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza are, you know, a lot of those guys more toward the four or five range. We know what they are. I mean, I think they know how their role is going to fit in. Some of these none, you know, Baysmore, um, Nut Monk, Ellington. It's unclear. I mean, we have an idea for sure, but whether they're going to succeed in it remains 
on you know TBD. Yep. So if any or all of those guys struggle, I think Rajon Rondo has a very solid chance to get a thousand minutes on this team. Tim's throwing things, literally. <laughs> no, Tom, no. I'm just so, saying. So Frank Vogel said clarify. he could play 48 minutes a game. <laughs> he said he could play z- between zero and 48. I think. Hey, I think the fact the that he didn't say like 42 means that Frank says he might play him 48 minutes. So just to clarify, that's like I'll 20 you, games. I'll give you an out. Speaking <laughs> of 20 games, does this mean that we're anticipating that Russell Westbrook misses 20 games? I'm going to give you an out. An escape if you want to take it. No. No. All right. This is a mostly healthy Lakers team. Rajon Rondo, you are predicting here with this bold prediction, breaks through the ambiguity and the inconsistency of some guys who maybe are three-point shooters, maybe not. We know they're not as good of playmakers as him. That's that's the I could like it's a path I can see. God, it's bold, and I don't know if bold's the right word I want to use for it, but Okay, for context for people, right, like Anthony Davis played like 1,100 minutes last season in 36 games. And that's obviously he's playing like 35, 36 minutes a game usually. So take that as you will. I'm kind of, you know, if you double that and half it, it's about 18 minutes per game across the whole season. But maybe, maybe it should be like 800. I feel like Rondo is going to play a lot more than any of us are expecting. In part because some of the yeah younger guys, is THT going to fill that backup one? Because I'm not super confident about that, right? Like just yeah. yet. So Monk, no, he's not. He, I mean, I they might try it. Sure, maybe. Is it going to be just LeBron? Okay, full fine. But if Bays and Ellington shot or aren't falling, or the defense is too bad when so-and-so or this or that's out there if it's not quite working you got rondo and it's just gonna it's gonna happen so if you had to pick let's say rondo emerges and we're, we're just picking somebody who as a result is falling if you had to put it down onto one guy is it ellington is it monk is it none is it tht because i think baseball is gonna baseball is gonna play some wing minutes just because this team's so so lacking depth and wings but among those four guards who do you think has the the highest chance in this scenario to be beat out by rondo um i mean definitely monk okay there's a volatility there that and and, you know maybe he got past it with you know we talked a little personal issues some focus issues um yeah i mean i i think i could see i could see monk being like traded at the trade deadline you know, just for something that is useful because mm-hmm. they tried it. Uh, there's high upside play there. Didn't work out. You know, shot wasn't falling. And then there's not much else he can provide if this team is where they want to be. But he jumps and so high, Tom. That's that's. Have nice. you look at the highlights? Sure. <laughs> if, yeah. yeah, I mean, would I, I don't know. I know. Do you it not makes think, sense. How many minutes do you think Rondo's going to play? Because it's not zero. Jeez. Oh, I think somewhere between like 500 and 700 okay. is is more than I would want, but I think realistic. That's like what McKinney played and last year, I think. What was that? Sorry. I think that's like about what McKinney played last year. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll that's the minutes again right now. That's probably a decent floor because it, his why he's such a good depth pickup for this team and why he has a much higher chance of just breaking into this, this rotation than other guys – 
who maybe are in his roster spot on other teams is just due to, due to the fact that his playmaking is as good as it is. Like, there's LeBron and there's Russ and there's Rondo and then there's a pretty big gap from a playmaking talent standpoint on this team. And so if there's any injury situation or if there are enough minutes where like AD is out there without Russ or Braun and you need somebody in there to like run things, he's going to like for sure, if that's the role you're looking for, if that's the skill set you need, he's going to be the guy. And Nunn and Monk are both dudes who kind of have some playmaking and some of the shooting and both are you know, maybe iffy depending on how big of a role or how much you're relying on them. So I can definitely see a, a chance for this to happen. What, so what did the minutes look like last year? Uh, so for actually McKinney played about 250. Andre Drummond played 520. With the um, Lakers? Yeah. Marcus okay. Gasol played just under 1,000. You know, top two on the team minutes were Schroeder and Kuzma, just under 2,000. So just for a little context for everybody, as far as I know, we don't talk raw number you know totals per season very often um yeah so yeah i don't know i think that's a, a bold prediction to say he's gonna play as much as i said like i said a thousand's probably a lot if russ doesn't get hurt but it's always a possibility as well same for lebron i think if lebron gets hurt rondo plays uh significantly mm-hmm. more yep. um so there's two pathways there uh maybe it's maintenance maybe it's just all kind of waited toward the end of the season when they want him available for the playoffs if they if they need him you know right. he just gets 20 minutes a game for the last three months or something so mm-hmm. we'll see um let's take a quick break here tim though and we'll finish out our bold predictions after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. Tim, I'm going to give you my last bold prediction. Oh, I'm going okay. to do two in a row. Just because I like making you feel good. Snake draft. That's Here right. We go. Carmelo Anthony. Oh, Jesus. Will average 13 points a game. 13. He was out. He was what? Like 14, 15 last year? Uh, he also averaged 13 points a game last year. Oh, okay. With with the Blazers in 13.1 mm. scoring possessions per game. So not bad. About a point per possession. But uh, here's bad. my pitch. Here's my pitch, okay. I see Melo getting just exponentially more wide open corner threes on this team. 
just based on how they have downhill drivers and LeBron and Russ, um, you know, even if he's playing with some of the other units, uh, you know, Russ and none, there's going to be spacing. He's going to be open. Um, he shot more percentage of threes as his total field goal attempts than pretty much any season in his career. <laughs> it was like 20, I think it was like 28 the first year with Portland and it was like 41 last year. So his he's starting to get where he's useful, right? He's starting to take more threes, shot a better percentage than his first year in Portland, took more of them, more, you know, as a number of his shots. He can't get to the rim for shit anymore. It was like six percent of his total field goal attempts but we don't need that so cue in you know more spacing or more you know attacking the rim than a team like portland with dame and cj and kickouts for him i think 13 scoring possessions per game is a lot for him he was like their third offensive option he's gonna be offensive option what four at best sure but that's still reasonable. To, I think we're going to see a lot more of the second unit dominated by mellow possessions, even if they're in isolation. So he's still going to get that isolation chunk because I still think the Lakers will both be a great fast break team. But when they're in the half court, it's probably not going to be great at first. So mm-hmm. for some of these units, dumping it down for a you know 18 foot mellow ISO isn't the worst thing it's better than what the lakers had last year in kuzma and kcp and caruso all kind of scared to shoot frankly yeah yeah that's a good point i could still see Melo getting like 11 scoring possessions a game and being more efficient 13 that's where i come to and he's helped by the fact that the position he'll play puts him at a position on the court where like he'll be the four with a five who probably is a backup five who's not spacing the floor. So they're going to be in the dunker spot and he might just catch the ball at like the right wing, posting somebody up a step inside the, the three-point line, face up, and then try to go to work. And that's going to happen. And he's, you know, he's been good at that. He, he's still a good 1v1 player. And what last year at least was more effective than like LeBron and AD were in a lot of these like post or perimeter mm-hmm. isolations, which is crazy to think about. So that as a backup option for the, the second group, I don't mind that. And also from the fact that he's going to be playing with a non-spacing big, he's not going to be probably doing as many like deep post ups. He'll be just spacing the floor as the team's running ball screens or set or whatever. So he'll be fed these threes. And if he's if he's open, he's going to hit those shots, and he's going to take those shots. And he's been a good three point shooter for a while. And I am hoping that we see that three point attempt rate, which is that the percentage of his shots that are threes, continue to rise and continue to build on what he did last year. I can see it. I, I so the volume we're talking about, like thirteen scoring possessions a game, that's about what Kuz had last season. Oh, so yeah. like Kuz wasn't like a top scoring option per se for the team, but like those possessions are there. Those right. possessions are available. So. If he's out there between the drive and kick game of Braun and Russ and, and THT, who I, I forgot to call out, his playmaking is good, and we need mm-hmm. to talk more about it. We'll talk about more talk more about it in the future. He's another one of those drive and kick kick guys, and Mel's going to eat off of those and and get a couple threes a game just from that, and then throw in two or three shots on average, maybe a game where he's just trying to make something happen with the second unit. And yeah, I could see him getting to a 13 points per game and an efficient 13 points per game. It, it like mm-hmm. how he gets to his 13, 
is going to really, you know, matter in how I view it as like good or bad. Um, but I think there's certainly a path for him to get to that based on the volume and the role he's playing. And that's going to help this team win games. And I think there's a path for his efficiency to somewhat mitigate or, you know, even out his defensive liabilities with the rest of the roster around him and and hopefully the positive positions he can be put in on offense, making him more efficient. Um, I just don't I, I think we might be underestimating how much mellow we might be getting. Maybe we just haven't talked about it, you know, but I I see this happening, you know, at AD's out. It's like LeBron and Russ throw mellow in there, you know, whatever. Like I could see a lot of weird lineups like this. There's a <laughs> lot of weird, you know, pieces that could be fit, but I do see mellow playing significant minutes with some of these star guys because yeah. they just want to see it. I bet, you know, that's, and maybe it'll work if he can shoot well and provide some better, you know, end of the shot clock option than uh, Mark Markeith Morris someone like that because that's the role he's replacing for us right not quite small ball five but kind of that spacing you know four um because Mello played a little bit at the five in Portland did not go well mm-hmm. so I don't I don't hope to see that yeah yeah I can see it and he's got the guys around him that'll hold him accountable between the, the coaching staff and some of the star players on this roster if he's not doing what he needs to do offensively he's gonna hear about it so if he's like mm-hmm. shooting over double teams on a lineup that right. has, you know, that the, the three, three, six, three, six, zero, the three sixty degree guys out there, they're going to let him know. Uh, am Tim, I using that right? Did you just learn about that I, joke today? So it sounds I, like he'd learn. I, I saw it and I just put it together right before we hit record on the podcast. Um, so I, I get it now, but I didn't. The, the, the number changes for the jerseys and – yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take my L on this one, but I'm okay with it. I'm going to work on the jokes, and we'll be back to you, and, and we're going to have some more. Um, but I like it. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I, c- I can get behind this this mellow with the Lakers. I'm worried about the defense. His defense yeah. was, like, really bad last year. It was it yeah. was bad enough that you needed, like, top 5 to 10% offensive impact to make him a break-even player. So that's what I'm worried about, especially if – like the starting unit has like Ariza or Braun in the same kind of position, rotating a ton and putting out fires. He's going to be, you know, like asleep at the fire station, like, you know, hanging out, throwing darts. Wow. There's fires all around town. If he's out there in that helper role or perimeter big role. So that's what I'm worried about is, is the defense. And you just got to take the good with the bad, I guess, because he's going to get minutes just based on who's on this team. Yeah. All right, man. Let's move on to your uh, your last one. What do you got for us? So another guy that is going to get minutes based on the roster and based on Frank Vogel and based on what he can do is I'm going to say Kent Bazemore is going to be fourth on this team in minutes this year by the end of the season. Okay. The, the path to that is there's not there are not many wings. If you're looking for a guard to play up and play the wing position, because let's say AD is playing five, that means Braun's going to be playing more four. You need like small forward. You need bodies, and Monk's too small. None's too small. Russ isn't playing there. Tht and Bazemore are the two guys that are going to have a shot with with those positions. Bazemore's done it, and he can just be a three and D type of dude. Space the floor, play good defense. 
And that's what we've already heard Frank Vogel talk about like yesterday wanting. And that's what we've heard Frank Vogel talking about for years wanting. He's the type of guy you can plug in with a starting unit and he'll fit. You can plug him in with a bench unit and he'll fit. I just think how many lineups Kent Bazemore isn't a, a positive on the defensive end and just someone you can plug and play offensively allows him to get a lot more minutes on this team along with the fact that there aren't many wings. And I, I just, I, I think this is going to happen. As long as his shot's falling, he's got a really, really good chance. Cause, and then defensively, his, his defensive role versatility is really important. Like he can guard the point of attack if we need him to, he can be a wing stopper if we need him to, he can be a chaser if we need him to. Um, that's going to be important. And he's also going to be part of this team's identity with those running habits that they talked about recently, where he's someone that like when I did my film review on him with the, with the discord folks, we looked at it and like, he's generating turnovers a lot, partially because he's kind of like wandering and waiting for you to look in the other direction for him to be in your blind spot. So he can come up and mug you, but he's going to generate those turnovers and that's going to directly feed to transition. So the more of those plays he's part of that end, like Bays steal, like a base poke out that Russ picks up and dribbles down and throws up a lob to Bron or AD. The more of those highlights, the more he's going to, you know, gel with this group even more. So I just think offensively and defensively, he is in a great position from a skill set standpoint, from what the coaching staff wants, and for just what the roster doesn't have to be playing a ton of minutes on this group and be part of like a playoff rotation as well. Do you see him getting like KCP level of minutes, which is over the last you know three or four seasons, like any from from 24 to 28, 30? You see him getting that many when in like ramp up time, you know, end of the season? I think he can get up to the high 20s for sure. I, I, I think he can touch 30 if, if he needs to, just because in, in looking at the rest of the roster, Dwight and DeAndre Jordan, they're not going to beat that. Russ, Braun, and AD will, but then Rondo's probably not going to beat it unless there's some key injury because um, he has some work to do just to, to make it up to those minutes. And then you've got a bunch of dudes who are just kind of, I think we're going to see the Lakers try different things with between Nunn and Monk and Ellington. They're going to get their shots, whether they take advantage or not, is going to dictate what the, the rotation looks like at the end of the season. But by the end of the season, I'm thinking the Lakers will have that figured out, but Bazemore will have already had a solidified spot from day one because of his spacing and defense and because of the lack of the wing play that over the course of the year, maybe his minutes per game isn't fourth highest, but his total minutes will be fourth highest just because he's something you can rely on as long as his shot is falling. Um, and and yeah. I think that's the path for me. I I can't disagree with your, with your bold prediction. I think the, day he was signed we said start Bazemore you know we got Nariza Ellington uh, I don't think we'd gotten none yet but you're like Bazemore that's a starter I mean I get I get what they're talking about Ellington in that kind of let's get him going kind of let's get this guy you know two or three threes mm-hmm. in the first four minutes of every game yeah um, Especially you know, if, just having that pet play at the first game, you know, be, right. Wayne Ellington being a part of that. Yeah. It, if you're starting Ariza, that really, I think that kind of bumps space more out too. Cause then, cause then you're looking at 80 Braun and Ariza, you're f- three and four, however you you know, figure that out. And then Russ. So Bazemore as your two defensively, he's not providing the same, you know, value he would on a bench unit as your three and 
with that two position, you can grab a better shooter in Ellington, throw him in there, and collectively as a whole with that group, your defense is still in pretty good shape. So I still think he can be part of a group like that, and, and that could be a really, really good lineup. But I, I'm with you where I expect the team to probably lean more towards shooting, given what else they have from the starters, and then Bazemore just throughout the 48 minutes is going to play a bunch. Right. Yeah, it's the... 12 minutes a game guy you know Avery Bradley kind of became this in the beginning just you know he just wasn't really much of a crunch time player and when he was it just it wasn't as as for Ellington as tight for yeah exactly that same kind of role you know get him try and get him going early but I could see it baseball's you know the shooting and defense like we talked about that's the the player who kind of checks that box the best in our opinion and can play with AD at the five, can play next to Russ, you know, mm-hmm. space the floor, get those turnovers. That's what I was kind of thinking, too, with LeBron. Blocks lead to fast breaks. LeBron using that energy bar. So we know he can get up if he's healthy. You know, we know he's got the timing. We've seen him do it before. If he has to do less on offense, get those blocks. Baysmore, everybody's aggressive. Yep. You know, get 20 points in the fast break every game. But you still have to score 85 points outside of fast break opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it's great that the Lakers want to be the number one fast break team. Maybe we can look into this, you know, as the season's approaching. But what's a great fast break scoring team? How much do they still have to operate in the half court? And how bad can that be for them to still like have a reasonable shot at winning a night to night basis? Yeah, yeah. Because no matter what, you're still going to be playing like 80% of your offensive possessions in the half court. Yeah. So yeah. you can be real, like, you, if, if that 20% is going to carry you, you got to be crazy good there to overcome right. not being good. So you can't, that can't be your whole identity because it will never be like larger than 20, 25% of, of your total plays. So, yeah, it's and gonna, usually even less in the playoffs, right? Yep, less in the playoffs, and and less if you don't play good defense. It's hard to play mm. poor defense, have the other team score, and, and then take run the ball after out of the hoop. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So those turnover generators, like a base more, like a LeBron, that that helps feed that offense. So even if in the half court, Bazemore's offensive contribution is like catch and shoot, stationary, just stand in the corner, he's going to help the offense from his defense leading to quicker looks. So. I like it. He's I, I'd like I'm rooting for none, and I think none has a lot of potential and talent, and I'd like to see him break out. I just don't think that's going to happen early enough in the season for him by the end of the year to end up with the fourth most minutes. So that's why I, I am leaning base more over none, who I, I do still believe in. Hoping you know I'm not we're not smoking the none pack a couple months from now, but he's he's somebody I'm rooting for because if he clicks and if he hits, he's going to have a nice breakout season as well. All right, Tim, let's close out with what you're looking for this coming Sunday. Um, you know, we'll not talk too much about it because still give this pod listenability. But what are you looking for specifically? Like how who starts, you know, what AD at the five looks like? I don't, I don't care about the starting group until the last couple games, I think. I think they're, they're probably going to throw a bunch of stuff okay. at the wall. And I, we don't even know, like, do and, and correct me, do we know if everybody's playing game one? Like is Braun... AD Russ, are I, they playing? I don't know. Okay. I think so. Okay. If anything, for like five minutes. Okay. Because it, it might be I mean? like NFL preseason where like there's going right. to be a game or two 
for on the NBA side, translating the, the number of games where we're seeing the team operate more like what they want to be. But for the first game, I think it's just going to be like watching and seeing how these guys interact, seeing what the defensive scheme looks like, because we heard them talk about, and this is, this is what you do when you're coaching, you got a new team. First couple of practices, you put in your fundamentals. You, you put in, this is our base coverage. Here's what we expect you to do. And we're going to work on that. And then we'll build from there. We're going to build, you know, you want, and, and this is something, I guess, more in college. They have like, an, uh, some coaches will use like an 80-20 or 70-30 rule where 80% of the time on defense, we're going to do what we do. And then that extra 20%, we're going to customize to the opponent. In the NBA, it's a little bit less than 80-20, but uh we're still going to see, you know, what the team starts with is going to be telling for what they think this defense can look like. And if they're out there running catch hedges, I'm going to be concerned. If they're out there running drop coverage or switching, that's right along with what I'm hoping for. Um, so that's something I'm looking at on defense. And then offensively, I want to get a sense for how will none and Monk be used? Are they ball handlers or are they shooters? And then is Ellington a catch and shoot stationary guy or is he going to be used off of screens? Those are some of the things, and, and that might not come until they have to build those places into the playbook, but figuring out what roles those guys play is, uh, to me, going to be important in figuring out how these pieces click together. That's good. That's really good stuff. Um, yeah, I think looking at that starting lineup, I'm curious just to, if the defensive coverage is the same from the starters to the bench, Yeah. when obviously a, a more traditional setter will come in. Mm-hmm whether they start switching and then go to drop or keep dropping with Anthony Davis and just, you know, let him be a little bit more aggressive, but it's, it's might not tell us anything. Honestly, this might just be them in a glorified pickup game, which it always has a chance of becoming. Yeah. There will be a lot of transition. There will be. Yeah. There's always, I look, we looked at this back when we did the taking charge podcast years ago, there will be a higher percentage of every team's plays in transition and preseason compared to the regular yeah. season. It's usually, is- I, I'll have to pull up my old notes if I can find them, but there's on average, it'll be like three, four, 5% higher. So if you see the Lakers getting a bunch of points in, in, in fast breaks, that's good, but we have to kind of adjust a little bit to to try to figure out what it might look like in the regular season. But but if they're doing it more, that that is still good and it shows us they're focusing on and then likely likely they'll be doing it more in the future. Just don't try to compare apples to oranges wow. and, and compare it with regular season stats. Wow. Great way to end a pod, Tim telling people to not get psyched <laughs> on a preseason alley oop from Russ to A D. Get excited. Just look yeah. awesome and beautiful. Tim's like, don't buy it. Get pumped. Yeah. Get pumped. Did, Tom, did I tell you about uh, what game day is going to be looking like this year with the Discord? No. Let's tell it. Tell this. So, so it's going to be a whole experience. We're we're thinking like game day is a special day, even though it happens fucking a hundred times. Um, <laughs> you know, during the day, I'm gonna throughout the day earlier just you know share a couple X's and O's thoughts. We, we've got some folks in there that have access to our b-ball index tools they'll post things and say hey you know what here's the the warriors roster here's what they're good at here's what they're not good at here's what to watch out for and just kind of get you ready get you familiar with the foe in addition to you know the pod content we're bringing and then directly pre-game we'll we'll be in there chatting like keys to the game we'll be voting on who we think is going to win the game voting on what we think how how the the results going to go like against the spread and then in-game, we obviously have our in-game chat. Maybe we'll do some halftime audio chats. We'll see. See, you know, if we're available. And then post-game, voting on player of the game, 
just chatting it up, venting or celebrating uh, and, and, you know, sharing all that good content, all those highlights, all that stuff. So trying to have some sort of loose structure around it, but uh, I'm, I'm pumped. We've got a, a heck of a group in there now and they're, they're getting amped up and I'm seeing the activity. It dipped a little bit this month. This month is like the one dead month all year, but it's, uh, it's still super active and it's, it's ramping up more and more. So I'm, I'm pumped to see what that game day experience looks like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, DM us, give us a, leave us a five-star review on a podcast player of your choice. Send us a picture of it. DM us. We'll send you that discord link so you can get in there and join all the fun i was gonna say Tamara, they like paying your salary you're do you just described like an entire <laughs> website's worth of like pre-game post gamers like so we're holy crap man you know we've got some we've got some smart people in there we've got some knowledgeable folks that like if they wanted to they could for sure be content creators in the Lakers sphere. And they're just like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like I've talked to people been like, Hey, you're really smart. Like you want to write articles or something? You want me to like start retweeting you? And they're like, nah, nah, nah I'm going to keep it in here. So we have that just like internal community of people. And we've found some folks that are going to help try to lead the charge with, with the different segments of stuff. So it's not all just like me on there all day long. Cause I, I do have other things to do. Um, but you know, <laughs> Whenever possible, even if I'm not in there chatting it up, they're going to be in there chatting it up. Um, and it's a smart, knowledgeable group that like I learn from and I pull from. And it's helped me be a better analyst and see the game in, in better ways and, you know, check me, even though, you know, they're fans of this pod, but they're going to be honest. And and if they think we're off on something, they're going to let us know. But we're going to have a dialogue about it. It's not going to be trying to dunk on each other. So that iron sharpens iron approach has been really great. And it's helped us cultivate that like you know, small army of people that like, they know their shit, Tom, like this is not mm-hmm. your, your normal Lakers fan base. And, uh, or no, I don't, it, this is not just the average, you know, NBA fan base. I should say, this isn't pick a random fan and they're going to be out there like, man, this guy missed a sink. And this guy, you know, did his lock and trail wasn't good. Like that's, that's more our crowd. Um, but you know, we're also in there celebrating the wins and, and talking trash and make fun of other teams. So, all of the fun, but with those added elements that make it a more enriching experience. So I, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Man, RIP your mention. Good job. <laughs> Normal Lakers fans. <sighs> all right, Tim. Well, yeah. Thank you for all that you do on the, the site that's seriously using all your data and stuff throughout the offseason. It's like a, a light in the darkness of content. We could pull all these guys stuff up and I can, you know, look through your data and be like, Ooh, you know, maybe, maybe Melo can average 13 points a game and mm. just kind of create this whole fake world where it happens. Uh, and I tell you my justification for it and that, you know, it could be practical. So I appreciate that. Uh, go, you know, check out B-Ball index too, people. Yeah. And another route to get into the discord. If you want to f- support us financially, also head over to patreoncom slash cranches. And you can support the pod and, and you'll get into the discord that way as well. Uh, and that, you know, there was a couple extra bucks in our pockets to to support everything that we're doing in the time that we're taking for these these podcasts and everything we're doing in the discord. So an alternate you don't have to go that route, but that is a, a route if you wish to support us financially to any degree. Absolutely. And, you know, next pod, we'll have Lakers basketball to talk about. So we'll leave it there for now, Tim. We'll talk to you all next time.